Okay, so here is my review of uh, Catholic Chronicle number three. This is by Keith Green, uh, titled Salvation According to Rome. Very, very uh, good tract, as uh, all of these tracts are. And in this uh, teaching here, uh, Keith is going to go over the uh, basic salvation of uh, what Rome teaches and you're going to see, uh, ladies and gentlemen, as we study through this uh, tract here, it's a good Bible study, that we're dealing with a, um, a system that preaches a counterfeit gospel, a corrupt gospel. It is a false gospel. It's a gospel that has the curse of God upon it, according to Galatians 1, uh, verses 8 and 9. Uh, spoken by the Apostle Paul. Very important. So I want you to get that clear. So Keith is going to take a look at the uh, Catholic teaching on sin and, the, and uh, how they break it down to mortal and venial sins. And uh, once again, I remind you, I speak as a former Roman Catholic. This is what I was taught growing up, mortal sin, venial sin, this whole complex uh, system of uh, absolute bondage is what it is. And um, that's why I speak these things out to you. So once again, the, the title of this tract is called Salvation According to Rome. And Keith begins by saying, the reason I begin this article on the Roman Catholic view of salvation with such rejoicing in my Savior is because I have just finished reading a mountain of official Roman church literature on the subject, and I can honestly say I have never had such joy in my heart of hearts about the finished work of Christ. I'll stop there before I continue. So Keith, he's beginning this tract uh, as he's studying the uh, Roman gospel of salvation, and what, what, what he did, folks, he went through mountains of material, and, and as he did that, he, he, he rejoiced in his Savior because he knew that all of that mountainous, that voluminous amount of material, uh, it, it contained the Roman Catholic traditions. It, it's a mixture. And, and, and Keith knew the truth. So he rejoiced in his Savior because he, he was already saved. He was born again of the Spirit. He knew he was justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. So now as he would study this uh, Catholic teaching, he, he was just uh, rejoicing in his Savior that, that he didn't have to uh, go through this, and he knew it. And that's the point that he's trying to make. As a former Roman Catholic, I can relate to what Keith is saying 1,000%. So uh, Keith goes on to say, As I scoured each page and read of penance, confession, venial and mortal sins, indulgences, purgatory, etc., I then had the inf infinite pleasure of searching the scriptures to see what they had to say on these fundamental Catholic doctrines. Oh, what relief my soul found in the scriptures. What holy joy, what clarity of light I saw as the simple brilliance of God's mercy shone into my mind. If there is anything more beautiful than God's love and patience with man, it has never been revealed to mortals. So once again, Keith is uh, rejoicing in the Lord. He's glad to be saved. And that's the testimony of every true born again believer in Jesus Christ. You, you take the, uh, the Roman Catholic teaching, ladies and gentlemen, you compare it side by side with the scriptures. You're going to come up with the same conclusion that this man uh, came to. And this is the, the intelligent way to, 
to search out the scriptures, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why I, I, I bring this forth in this time in which this time in uh, which we are living, where where people are joining hands with um, with Rome, and it's been going on for many decades now. You could think back to the uh, charismatic movement when Catherine Kuhlman used to uh, do her services and. Uh, they say that she loved to have 30 to 40 uh, Roman Catholic priests and nuns up there on the platform with her. Uh, she believed it uh, lent credibility to what she was doing, and she liked it when they were, uh, quote, in uniform. In other words, dressed in those black cassocks and so on. So uh, talk about compromise, my oh my. So this has been going on for quite a long time. Time And now you see, you can turn on the television set, you'll find uh, people like James Robeson over there in Rome smacking high fives with Pope Francis, folks. Uh, you know, that's why I'm bringing this forth. So you listen to what is spoken by Brother Keith in this track, which was written in the early 80s, uh, shortly before he was killed in a uh, small plane crash. So... As I continue, uh, as I said, he, he's going to bring out the Catholic teaching on sin. And, and in the Roman Catholic Church, what they do, they have mortal sin and they have venial sin. So we have really bad sin, which they would call mortal, and then venial, which wouldn't uh, be as bad. So uh, let me quote from that section now. It says, in official Roman Catholic theology... This too is the main thing that people are taught that they need to be saved from their sins, but the only thing that Catholic and evangelical teachings have in common on the subject of sin is dispelling. For when a Catholic talks about his sins, you must find out first if he's talking about mortal sins or venial sins, and then you must ask him how do you get rid of them. The answer given will most likely confound a non-Catholic for words like faith, repentance, even Jesus, will usually be missing in the answer. Instead, a whole new list of other words will have to be learned, defined, and understood before the evangelical can fully grasp how a Catholic is taught his sins and the penalty due them can be canceled out. So, you know, it's funny. I came out of the Roman Catholic system, so it's the scriptures, it's the truth that set me free. And when, you, and when I read the scriptures, I said, wait a second, I, I never saw this before. You know, I'm taught mortal sins, I'm taught venial sins, I'm taught purgatory, I'm taught this and I'm taught that. Nowhere to, nowhere to be found in the scriptures. So what Brother Keith was discovering was what happened to me uh, exactly. You know, the, the truth will set you free, ladies and gentlemen. The, the scriptures are so powerful. And when you think of the uh, time of uh, Martin Luther and, and the Reformation and how people wanted to get the word of God into the hands of the common people, people like me and you who were living back then, and they were fiercely persecuted for doing that. Uh, many of them were on the run. They, they had to basically hide themselves while, while they were translating the scriptures, you know, people like William Tyndale. And, you know, folks, people were uh, put to death. They were tortured. They were murdered, burnt at the stake by the Church of Rome. I tell you that today, folks. I'm not ashamed to tell you that. You can read Fox's Book of Martyrs. You can read Martyr's Mirror. There are other accounts of the uh, atrocities that were done by the Church of Rome against true Christians, and it's, it's wicked. There's no question about it. You know, the Bible says that 
there, there will come a time when people will be uh, killing uh, true believers and think that they're doing God a service, and that certainly applies right there. So uh, that's what Keith did. He, uh, he wanted to make it clear that there was a difference to uh, what Rome teaches about their mortal and venial sins and what the scriptures uh, teach. So according to, uh, back to Keith, what he's saying, according to Rome's definition, mortal sin is described as any great offense against the law of God and is so named because it is deadly, killing the soul and subjecting it to eternal punishment. Venial sins, on the other hand, are small and pardonable offenses against God and our neighbor. Unlike mortal sins, venial sins are not thought to damn a soul to hell. But with the committing of each venial sin, a person increases his need for a longer stay in the purifying fires of a place called purgatory. Look that word up in your Bible dictionary. You'll find it right next to venial. So, you know, these teachings, these man-made traditions of the Roman Catholic Church, purgatory, hear me now, I've said this so many times uh, in my life as a Christian, there is no purgatory, folks. Uh, you can take it... Uh, for truth here today, the place does not exist. Purgatory is a make-believe place. It's a man-made invention of the Roman Catholic system. Uh, I must tell you that it's my obligation as somebody who came out of that system to inform you uh, about that. So Keith goes on to say regarding mortal and venial, it's, it's difficult to find uh, people within the Catholic system who would even agree among the priests, basically, as to what constitutes mortal and venial. Uh, then Keith says, according to Rome, the Pope is infallible in matters of faith and doctrine. He should then be able to settle this important matter by accurately cataloging those sins which are mortal as distinguished from those which are venial. So Keith makes a great point. You know, if the Pope, who, who Rome claims to be infallible in certain matters, I mean, only God is infallible, folks. You know that. I know that. Uh, but if they claim him to be infallible, why should there be a problem uh, coming up with, with what is mortal and what is venial sin? So once again, Keith goes back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Keith makes the point that all sin is mortal. You know, that's something uh, you need to understand, ladies and gentlemen. All sin is mortal. You know, Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You don't hear the disciples, the apostles of Christ, talking about mortal sin, venial sin. You, you, you don't find that in the scriptures, folks. You don't hear Peter talking about things like that. This is something that was invented by Rome, and it keeps you in bondage to them. Because as you tie it together with their confessional booth and everything else, you have to come through the Church of Rome. Keep in mind that they insist to this day, it's their official teaching, that they are the only true church. Oh yes, they do. <laughs> and you're not going to hear this, folks, in the modern day compromising pulpits. I am telling you, we are living in very scary times. So, Brother Keith made it clear that, you know, basically all sin is mortal, folks. The wages of sin is death. He quotes from Ezekiel 18.4, I like the King James, Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. So, 
you can uh, lay aside that mortal and venial sin just like I did back in 1989. You can call upon the Lord for yourself. He'll, he'll wash you clean if you want to be washed clean. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So uh, Keith goes on to talk now about confession. You know, growing up as a Catholic, we would go into what is known as a confessional booth. Okay, it's a little, uh, like a little booth, and it has uh, a spot, a door in the middle, and that's where the priest would go. And then on each side, there would be two little uh, places where the uh, where the sinner people would go, people like me, and I'd go in, and you'd wait online until you uh, it was your turn. And, and the, the priest would sit in the middle of that booth. He had a little window that would slide back and forth. So when he's listening to the confession of the other person on the other side, your, your little uh, window would be closed. You know, sometimes I would try to listen, though. I'm sure everybody else did, too. So, so and when it was your turn, you'd hear him slam that other uh, door shut, and then he'd open your, uh, your little window, and you'd say, Bless me, Father, for I've sinned. And you'd say, How long it's been since your last confession? And then you'd start confessing your sins. When you're done, the priest would give you what is known as penance. He'd say, Okay, uh, Ten Hail Marys, three Our Fathers, and one Glory Be, you know, and that's it. You go out in the pew. You'd, I would say those little prayers, and out back out on the streets, I would uh, be feeling as dirty inside as I ever felt, <laughs> as bad as I felt uh, before I went to see the priest. And the priest would give you absolution. That's what they call it. And, and you get absolved by that priest. You know, I did a uh, radio program. I was a guest uh, several times with a... A uh, man by the name of Bob Bush, a former Roman Catholic Jesuit priest. He was a Jesuit priest for 21 years, well-schooled in the theology of Rome. Uh, but thank God he got saved. And uh, I remember on one program, he he said to me, he was talking about how he would, you know, hear confessions and, and say, I absolve thee. Can you imagine that? And he went, ooh, I absolve thee. Because he went, ooh, because he recognized he didn't have the power to do that. So it's a wonderful thing, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, hear the testimony of a uh, former Roman Catholic priest, a former Jesuit priest, as Bob Bush was coming out of the same system of Roman Catholicism that I was delivered from. As a matter of fact, uh, Bob's parents, you know, when he first uh, broke the news to his own parents, you know, he sat him down and he told him that he was leaving the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, his father said to him, uh, your mother and I are thinking of doing the same thing. And I think they spent one more week in the Catholic Church and, and they left after that. And uh, they told him they came to the conclusion uh, that the altar was a place of sacrifice. Imagine that and how right they were. And that, that was enough. They, they decided that was enough for them. And we, we know that they were referring to the sacrifice of the mass. So uh, glory to God, his parents got saved. And, uh, you know, basically they were evangelizing immediately. Uh, his parents, uh, I know his father was handing out Bible Bibles to his friends and uh, so on. So wonderful thing when people get saved out of that system. So in this uh, uh, portion of the tract here by Keith Green, he has here, can a priest forgive sins? And he says, the scriptures teach that only God can forgive sins, Mark 2, 7. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, Matthew 9, 6. So uh, we, we know 
Only God can forgive sins, ladies and gentlemen. You do not have to go to a, a Roman Catholic priest to have your sins forgiven. I'm here to tell you today, go straight to the Master. Go straight to the Lord Jesus Christ. I know it happened to me. That's what I did, folks. And after I was saved, I never saw the inside of another confessional booth. Glory to God. Uh, I had no need to because I knew that I was justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's uh, the point that Keith was making uh, in this portion of the tract regarding uh, this whole thing with uh, the confessional booth uh, and so on and so forth. And, and Keith brings out the difference between penance and biblical repentance. He says, in a Roman system, penance is one of the seven sacraments. The Baltimore Catechism defines penance as the sacrament by which sins committed after baptism are forgiven through the absolution of the priest. Another catechism published in New York says the priest gives penance to help me to make up for the temporal punishment I must suffer for my sins. The penance given to me by the priest does not always make full satisfaction for my sins. I should therefore do other acts of penance and try to gain indulgences. And in Instructions for Non-Catholics, we read, After confession, some temporal punishment due to sin generally remains. You should therefore perform other acts of penance, also so that you may make up for these punishments and avoid a long stay in purgatory. You know, unless you have come out of this system, folks, uh, some of this stuff probably is mind-boggling to you. I mean, you... you probably have no idea what I'm talking about here. Purgatory, you, you've heard the term before, and, and as I said, it doesn't exist. There is no such place as purgatory. Hear me. Either you are saved or you are lost. Either you are on your way to heaven or you are on your way to hell. But I assure you today that after you die, you are not going to purgatory. Uh, take my word for it and take my word for it only because my word is in agreement with what the scriptures teach. Thus saith the Lord. This is the only thing that matters, folks. And, and that's what you find Jesus. He preached heaven and he preached hell. He preached salvation. He preached damnation. You, you do not hear him talking about purgatory. Do you remember the thief on the cross, folks? Uh, he, he said, Lord, remember me. Well, when you come into your kingdom. And, and the Lord told him that he would be with him in paradise that very day. He didn't say, wiggle yourself down off the cross and uh, see if you can be baptized and do the best you can. Uh, I'd like to see some good works before you cross over, uh, my friend. No, he didn't say that. The man turned. The only thing that thief on the cross could do was make a turn in his heart. He was moments away from dying himself. And he turned to the Lord. He knew who the Lord was. We, we don't have any record in the scriptures of what this man knew about the Lord uh, prior to that point in time, but there's a good chance he knew enough about him uh, that, that he came to repentance. And that was a true turn in the heart. I'll tell you why. If the Lord told that man that he would be with him in paradise that very day, then the Lord knew that was a genuine repentant heart, and the man was calling upon the Lord for salvation. The man got saved. Glory to God. Oh, Lord, what, what, what a testimony that man had. <laughs> 
What a testimony and glory that man had. So, uh, no, no talk of purgatory, folks. And who knows what other things that man did. And probably uh, the crime he was caught for is probably a uh, good chance there was many more crimes that he possibly committed. We don't know that. It's all speculation. But the good news is that the Lord saved that man's soul. So there's a difference, folks, between penance and repentance. And um, Brother Keith Green makes it clear that penance is a system of works. He says, here indeed is salvation by works, for penance, as the Catechism says, involves confession of one's sins to a priest, and the doing of good works is the only way by which sins committed after baptism can be forgiven. The Church of Rome thus demands acts of penance before she grants forgiveness, inferring that the sacrifice of Christ was not sufficient to atone fully for sin and that it must be supplemented to some extent by these good works. But what God demands is not acts of penance, but repentance, which means turning from sin. And then Keith quotes Isaiah 55 and 7. I'll, I'll give you the King James. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That's the good news, folks. If you're a Roman Catholic, tell you uh, whether you're not or you're just unsaved. Uh, God is merciful. He will abundantly pardon you. Call upon him. Say, Lord, I want to be saved. Wash me. I want to follow you. I want, I want to be born again the biblical way. I want to know that I'm justified before you. Who cares what man thinks? Who cares what man teaches? I want to know uh, that I'm right with you. And that's that's the deal, folks. And and, and I'm speaking the truth to you today. And, and the proof that what I'm saying is true, if you truly uh, do what the scriptures uh, tell you to do, you're going to find that your experience is going to be the same. You will get saved. You will be born again. You will be regenerated by the power of the Holy Ghost, and you will have the assurance that your sins have been washed away, that you have been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, because that is what the scriptures teach. Glory to God. So um, it's very good uh, that you understand these things. So we, Keith makes it clear. He wants you to know that there's a difference between penance and repentance. And he goes on to quote, Joel uh, 2 and 13, I'll give you to King James, and rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Good news, folks. Here it is. Rend your heart. Turn to the Lord from your heart, and he will save you. Then he goes on to uh, show the difference between, you know, uh, what, what the Catholic Church teaches on good works. And we know that good works will follow. Okay, you know, Martin Luther used to, um, I think it was Martin Luther. And if it wasn't, whoever spoke it, uh, spoke about uh, the tree coming before the apple. Okay, so you have a tree. Uh, you, you have uh, water goes into the roots and, and it goes out into the branches. And then we have an apple that grows. And that's the way it is with the Christian. You're born again. You're regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the water is the Holy Ghost, the living waters. And now you bear fruit, okay? That's the same way. So, so the apple, uh, that fruit, 
uh, it didn't come before the tree. The tree has to come first. So uh, th that's the way it works as far as good works, ladies and gentlemen. And then T Keith quotes uh, Titus 3 and 5 will give you the King James. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Folks, you must be born again. You must become a new creation in Jesus Christ. You are either lost and dead in your sins, unregenerate, or you are saved. You've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you have been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only two types of people in the world, the saved and the lost. Mercy available for every individual, no matter who they are, no matter where they live, in any part of this planet, this world of ours, folks. Doesn't matter what race you are, or what language you speak, man or woman, you can be saved, even as I'm speaking the word to you today. Remember Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast glory to God. So, important that you understand these things, and we, we need to know that salvation is certainly by grace. So then, Keith, as we get ready to close, near the end of this track, Keith, uh, Brother Keith Green, speaks about the assurance of salvation. Okay, he says, a dying Roman Catholic, after he has done all that he can do, and after the last rites have been given to him, is told that he still must go to purgatory. There he will suffer unknown torture with no assurance as to how long it will continue, but with the assurance that if his relatives pray for his soul and pay with sufficient generosity to have candles lit and have special masses said for him that his sufferings will be shortened somewhat. So let me just give you uh, a passage of scripture, ladies and gentlemen, that will absolutely refute the Roman Catholic uh, curses against Protestants, evangelicals, or whatever. Uh, this, this passage of uh, scripture shuts down the, the, the whole Roman Catholic system. Uh, it's from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. Listen carefully. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You know, that passage of scripture so ministers to me today as much as it did when I was first saved back in 1989, folks. This passage of scripture shuts down the Roman Catholic system. There's no need for a Roman Catholic priest and a sacrifice of the mass. No need whatsoever. There is no need to go confess your sins into a confessional booth to a Roman Catholic priest. There is no need for you to do penance because the scriptures teach us that we can be justified by the blood of Jesus Christ because of God's love for us. That's what the scriptures tell us, folks. 
You are ungodly in the sight of God. If you're a Roman Catholic, you need to know that, that there's no amount of penance, there's no amount of good works, nothing can get you into heaven other than a true faith in the Lord, recognizing that you're lost, recognizing you're ungodly, in need of salvation, and when you call upon the Lord, he will save you. You can be justified by the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross about 2,000 years ago. And verse 9, it says, much more than be, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Folks, you need to be saved from the wrath of God. Why do I say that? Because the wrath of God is upon you right now, even as I speak. You read John chapter 3 and verse 36. If you're not truly uh, believing in the Lord, the, the biblical way, I'm talking about you saved, you've been born again, folks, then the wrath of God abides upon you, and you can be saved from the wrath of God. You can be justified by the blood of Jesus Christ through simple faith in Him. Call upon the Lord and, and, and ask Him to save your soul. He will wash you clean because that blood will do the job, folks. No need to repeat it over and over and over through daily Mass or Sunday Mass. You go straight to the Master. That's what I did. I speak as a former Roman Catholic. You need to hear this today. Play it for your uh, sons and daughters. Play it for your parents, the audio I'm talking about. Repeat it over and over. Go search the scriptures for yourself to see if what I'm telling you today is true. And watch what God does in you. Watch what he does in your family. Watch what he does with your relatives. We're talking true salvation. And let me tell you, revival will break out in, in a family if they truly open their heart to the Lord and they want to be saved. And that's the, that's the whole crux of, uh, of those scriptures. And that shuts down those curses that Rome puts upon the Protestant believer. So uh, once again, you have the, uh, the Roman Catholic. When a person dies, they, uh, they go to the funeral parlor. They will recite the rosary very often. The priest will come in and they will say their Hail Mary prayers. And, you know, people will bring mass cards. Uh, and, and this represents masses which will be said for the deceased. In other words, that they might get out of purgatory uh, sooner because of the teaching on purgatory. So uh, it, this is an incredible bondage um, that is in that system, ladies and gentlemen. I, I know I came out of that system. And um, regarding the assurance of salvation, the Council of Trent even pronounced a curse upon anyone who presumed to say that he had assurance of salvation or that the whole punishment for sin is forgiven along with that sin. Such assurance is pronounced a delusion and a result of sinful pride. Let me stop there. I mean, this is incredible stuff, folks. This is the teaching of Rome it's not something from the Middle Ages that was done away with. This is their teaching today. Council of Trent upheld by Vatican II. You're filled with sinful pride if you declare that you know you're saved and going to heaven. That's their teaching, folks. There's a curse upon you if you say otherwise. Rome keeps her subjects in constant fear 
and insecurity, even at death, if their extreme unction has been administered and if the thousands of rosary prayers have been said for the repose of the soul, the priest still cannot give assurance of salvation. The person is never, quote, good enough, but must serve in purgatory prison to be purified of venial sins before he can be admitted to the celestial city. No one can be truly happy or truly at peace, and particularly in spiritual matters, a state of doubt and uncertainty continues for one's whole life and right into the grave. Keith goes on to say, but God wants us to be saved. And according to the Bible, the Holy Spirit can give us the assurance that we have salvation when we have a true, intimate relationship with the Son of God. And uh, you, if you read 1 John 5, 9 to 12, you will find that. But in Romanism, one must work hard for it and must pay dearly for it. And if he's done all that the priest has prescribed, he still cannot know whether he has it or not. And through it all, there stands the anathemas or curses of the Council of Trent against all who affirm the certainty of their salvation. Hence, there cannot truly be found anywhere a Roman Catholic consistent to what his church teaches who enjoys the true assurance of eternal Life. So, that teaching regarding trend, folks, don't let anybody tell you that has been done away with. It. It's, it's, it's for today. Oh, and, and basically, the Council of Trent was a response to the uh, Protestant Reformation. That's what it was. And, and they, they don't agree with it. And, but today, you know, people are being bamboozled and, and seduced by these doctrines of devils and, and meeting very little resistance within what we would call the Church of God. And right now I'm going to give you um, the end of this tract here, the conclusion to part three. Now there's a part four that deals with Vatican II. By God's grace, I will get that out to you too, the review. But this next part, I, I, I encourage you to listen as close as you can to what Brother Keith says. I mean, this, is, this, this little part here has become famous in the land because of what he said. And, and listen closely. This is the conclusion that uh, Brother Keith uh, makes. Quote, It is obvious by even this brief glimpse into the doctrines of mortal and venial sins, confession, penance, and purgatory, that the Roman Catholic Church has constructed one of the most unbiblical doctrinal systems that has ever been considered Christian. The fear, anguish, and religious bondage that such a system of reward and punishment creates has tormented millions of lives for centuries and continues to pray, P-R-E-Y, on those who are ignorant of the biblical way of salvation. To merely call such a system a cult would be to throw it into the vast category of religious and quasi-religions that are currently making the rounds of our college campuses and city streets, snatching up many and unsuspecting youth. No, the Roman church is not a cult. 
it's an empire with its own ruler, its own laws, and its own subjects. The empire has no borders. It encompasses the globe with its eye on every person who does not vow allegiance. It calls the members of other faiths separated brethren and has as its goal the eventual bringing together of everyone under its flag. I know that many will not be convinced or moved by this article or any of the others to make such a conclusion. They are impressed by what they've heard about recent stirrings among the Catholics in the charismatic renewal. Many evangelicals, especially charismatics, have been thrilled by the reports of Catholics speaking in tongues, dancing in the spirit, having nights of joy and praise, even attending charismatic masses. Mouths that used to speak out boldly against the Church of Rome have been quieted by the times. It is it no longer is in vogue to speak of the Pope as the Antichrist or the Catholic Church as the Whore of Babylon. Now Protestants unwittingly believe that our differences are not so great. Ah, that is just what she wants us to think. I've never completely understood why God led me to write these articles, but it becomes more clear with each day of study and each page of research never has something so black and wicked gotten away with appearing so holy and mysteriously beautiful for so long. End of quote by Mr. Keith Green. Folks, that, that, that is so powerful. It's not even funny because it is such a contrast to what you hear in the land today. Turn on your television. You know, I did a short video several years ago uh, on, on the TBN network, the Trinity Broadcasting Network, and because I, you know, I, I read somewhere that they sell different things uh, online. I think it w had to do with rosary beads. I'll be honest with you, I couldn't believe it, to be honest with you. So I said, let me search it out for myself. And sure enough, I, I, I made a video and I, I wanted people to see, look, look what they're selling at TBN. Folks, they were selling all sorts of Mary uh, stuff, rosary, medals, Catholic books, literature by the tons. Books on how to pray the rosary. Books about the mass explaining everything. Books on popes. You name it. They were selling Catholic materials as if it was a Catholic religious bookstore, folks. I kid you not. Now, I found it interesting. I go there now. I can't even find it. Hear me today, folks. Don't be swallowed up with this, with this false unity. It is a counterfeit unity. Hear me now. When the Bible says that there is a curse upon a false gospel, it means it. It means it, folks. It's true. You join hands with a false gospel, folks, you suffer the consequences. I'm telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. If your pastor's doing it, warn him. If he don't change, then get out of that place, too. I don't care what they call themselves, folks. It's just a name. It's just a name. Nothing but a name. Hear me now. You heard it here, the review, Salvation According to Rome, Catholic Chronicle number three in that series, which expose that church for what it is. And that's why I'm bringing these reviews forth so that you can listen. You're hearing from the perspective of a former Roman Catholic. I'm in agreement with Brother Keith Green and what he spoke. And I'm going to end it there. 
Once again, I encourage you, be blessed in the Lord Jesus Christ.